Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the show. Uh, today's show is going to be a little bit different. In honor of my late brother, Jason Goy Korea, I'm going to be discussing and reviewing the 1998 animated classic from Japan, Akira. Uh, before I get into that, though, uh, a little bit about my brother. Uh, my brother, Jason Goy Korea, was four years younger than me and uh, passed away last year at the age of 49 years old, or excuse me, 48 years old after a long illness. Um, my brother and I were different people. Uh, I think he was more introverted. I was definitely more extroverted. And uh, the two things that we did share, though, was a love of movies and a love of sports. I like to think that hopefully my influence of movies and sports kind of rubbed off on him and he kind of took it as well. Uh, I think hopefully that's true. I don't know how true or not true it is, but uh, we both shared that love. And I thought as a good way to commemorate my brother would be to review one of his favorite movies. Um, it's been a hard year, uh, ups and downs, uh, as anyone that can relate that has lost to someone close to them. Uh, there are days of extreme sadness, uh, days of remembrance, days of happiness. And when, when you think about that person and what they meant in your life and, and the hardest for me has been, you know, dealing with the fact that my younger brother is not here anymore and that he passed away at an age that's, uh, way too young and that he should still be here. So that's, that's where my biggest struggle is. And, and, um, seeing how my mom, um, of course, heartbroken about it. And she's had her ups and downs as well too, but, uh, knowing, uh, the love my mom has for both myself and my brother, it's hard to, uh, see her, uh, suffer that as well. So that's tough. And, um, it's been difficult, uh, at least to, through that, though. The bright side is, you know, hearing from friends of his that he was close to, because uh, Jason was a very quiet person, didn't, you know, you know, he lived his life very privately, very quietly. And uh, to kind of get that insight into uh, what kind of friend he was, um, learning those, learning that thing after he passed away was something that was uh, incredibly uh, heartwarming to hear and uh, made me extremely happy so it was definitely something uh, i was uh happy to hear about and and like i said uh you know it's i it, when you're living your life you just don't imagine you know your sibling passing away uh and not being a part of your life like i said i think we all as we grow up and as we grow older you know we know our parents at some point are going to pass away and everybody does, of course, but uh, it's, it's you know, my brother and I, you know, I figured we would have a, you know, a long time left on this earth uh, before either one of us uh, passed away. And unfortunately, uh, that was not to be. And uh, that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. So, uh, again, uh, my brother was a big fan of comic books and also a big fan of Japanese animation. Uh, which is a genre I don't really know too much about or really are not much into. But Akira is in the exception in the fact that that was what he described as one of the best animated films ever made, one of his favorite movies. And, of course, it's a classic of Japanese animation. And I saw the film a long time ago, probably in the early 90s, uh, with him. I don't remember a lot of it or even if I really paid attention when I was watching it. Uh, so when I rewatched it for this podcast, it was uh, basically like a first watch for me. And I thought it was appropriate, an appropriate way for me uh, to honor my brother um, in this year after his passing. And, 
and and just kind of have that reminder of something that we shared that we love which was movies even though this particular movie is not a genre uh, that i particularly dive into or am a fan of per se but um forgive me if it's not going to be as smooth a review as i usually do um i'm still like i said I've, I've been trying for a few weeks to record this and it's been an emotional time for me to try to do it but i wanted to really get this done and, and get it out there so the opening of akira is in 1988 world war III is triggered resulting in the complete destruction of tokyo japan and then the movie picks up immediately uh in 2019 so 30 years later uh you have what's called neo tokyo which is basically a dystopian version of tokyo uh run by corrupt government and basically where there's violence in the streets and um you meet the main character of canada who is a head of a motorcycle gang and his sidekick tetsuo and uh, a couple of members of his gang the film opens with a motorcycle fight battle with a clown gang uh, which is beautifully staged and beautifully directed. So it's like any live action action. It's just it's beautifully done, and the the director and writer is Katsuhiro Otomo, who actually was the writer of the original manga, Japanese manga of Akira. Even though from what I've read, the film deviates greatly from the original manga. Um, and like I said, I haven't read that, so I don't know the manga. But uh, he is the writer and director of um, Akira, or as I see it in the film, they pronounce it Akira. Um, but I'll probably say Akira for the rest of the review. So again, back to that opening sequence uh, with the battle with the clown gang. So what happens is as a result uh, of this fight or this, you know, this battle, um, Tetsuo crashes into... Takashi, who is, we learn, is an esper or someone with ESP. He escaped from a government laboratory. And um, Tetsuo is hospitalized after this accident because he's injured pretty badly. And while in this laboratory, the doctor there discovers that Tetsuo has also psychic abilities. And... um, these abilities that he has are very similar to Akira. So Akira is a legendary figure, is that basically he is the one with psychic abilities that was the cause of the destruction of Tokyo in 1988. So the film talks about that. The film basically says um, that Akira was killed in this battle in 1988 but there are people that think that he is still alive and what we subsequently find out is that he has been cryogenically frozen um they kept him alive but obviously they feel he you know he was a danger because they blame him with destroying tokyo so tetsuo is basically imprisoned in this hospital and canada wants to get him out so there's a plot to try to get him out he ends up hooking up with a resistance group and um they are trying to you know figure out what's going on you know resisting the government trying to get to an overthrow of the government 
So they uh, they go undercover, infiltrate the hospital to try to, to break Tetsuo out. Now Tetsuo is dealing with these new psychic abilities that he has um, as a result of the accident. And um, in a beautiful scene, there's other espers in the hospital with psychic abilities that are threatened by Tetsuo and don't want him there. So they they basically create a hallucination in hopes of killing Tetsuo. Now there's a, there's a there's a beautifully animated scene, one of the highlights of the movie, where the hallucination takes place and you see the visuals and what's going on, and they're basically trying to push Tetsuo to hurt himself or kill himself or thinking that he's going to die. And it's beautifully, the visuals are un, unbelievable. Like I said, it's one of the highlights of the movie. And as the movie, you know, goes towards its climax, they get into the hospital. But Tetsuo is not willing to go as, you know, as a friend. He's different now. So what's happened is these abilities have heightened his issues that he's had with Canada, with Canada before the the motorcycle chase. So... Canada and Tetsuo basically have a, which I would call a big brother, little brother relationship. And uh, of course, with that dynamic, there's good and there's bad. So basically, Tetsuo feels like he's never taken seriously, never considered to be a leader, um, you know, patronized by Canada, even though they're close, that is there. So these abilities that he has amplifies those issues to the point where he understands that, wait a minute, I, I have power now. I don't need you to tell me. I don't need you to help me. And uh, there's a break there because of that. So that's the main plot. And that's the main thing that keeps the plot moving forward to a climax where we find out what happens to all the characters. We find out how Akira fits into all of that because we find out he's cryogenically frozen and he's, they keep him actually under a football stadium. And what happens there and then how all of those stories kind of connect towards the end of the film. And I'm not going to give away too much about what happens. Um the ending is actually really, I like I like the way it ended. It was very very well done. Uh, but watching Akira to give it, you know give you examples. If you're not a fan, if you don't really know the movie, you're not a fan of Japanese animation. It it, it almost had like a Blade Runner feel to me. Like I said, you've got a dystopian future, uh, government control things, um, corruption, violence, kind of all those things that you see in Blade Runner. Uh, so that's what it kind of reminded me of. Um, even though I'm not, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm not a huge fan of Blade Runner. I actually have to rewatch it again. Um, I happen to be one of those people that think Blade Runner is overrated, but, um, but Akira was very, very entertaining from beginning to end. And, um, uh, like I said, you've got, um, wonderful animation. And, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up because this is something I think people that don't even know Akira would know. There's an iconic image in the film, and this happens early in the motorcycle chase, where Canada slides his motorcycle on the road and you get that cool slide where he slides his whole bicycle and the camera is is facing him looking at the camera and then the bike has slid and comes to a stop. It's basically a couple of second image, but it's become an iconic image. Apparently it's called the Akira slide and I've seen it in other films. So obviously this film has directly influenced visuals for other movies. Uh, and like I said, the poster, actually one of the favorite gifts I brought my brother because he was not he was not one to want gifts per se, and he was a tough person to get gifts for. But I got him uh, a framed poster of the Akira when they re-released it. I think in the late '90s, uh, I got him that framed poster. It's one of the favorite gifts I've ever gotten him. I think it's and he loved it. He hung it up and he had it. And uh, it's something that I've you know it's one of my favorite gifts that I gave to him because I think he really loved it. 
And uh, that image is iconic. And even if you don't know Akira, you probably have seen that image somewhere, either on a meme or on some other show. Uh, but that's uh, an iconic thing. The music, the, the score of Akira, I love too. I didn't look up who the uh, the composer was, but the score is really good. The um, I watched both the dub version and the undub version. It, it was easier to watch the dub version for me so I can keep up with the story uh, as opposed to reading it. And usually I can read it pretty good, but it was easier just to kind of enjoy the visuals and listen to them speaking in English so I can understand the story. So most, most of the time I watch stuff um, in the original language with subtitles. But with this, especially as quickly as the story moved, it was easier for me to watch it dubbed. And the voice work was actually pretty good. And actually, like I said, I can enjoy the visuals and still hear the story um, without having to do both and trying to keep up and do that. So for me, it was good. Uh, if you prefer it, like I said, you can, you know, they have both versions of it, the dubbed version and the, uh, and the subtitle version. Um, but for me, like I said, the dubbed version was much easier to watch. And the story comes quickly. I mean, it's a simple story per se, but there's a lot happening between the characters, the dynamics, the action that takes place in the movie, uh, and it comes fast and furious, which means there's no lulls in the film. So it's it's fantastic um, how it flows. Really, really great how the movie flows. And uh, like I said, it goes to that um, climax between Tetsuo and Canada, that battle slash whatever happens there when you find out, um, and then how Akira uh, plays into all of that as well. So it's a very ambitious film. Um you know, it tells us, you know, you get, you get strands of it. Now, 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 not every story is fleshed out, but I mean, you get the corrupt government angle, you know, how they really don't care about anybody else other than keeping the power that they have and the financial security that they have. So, um, it's, uh, it's great in telling that story. The, the, the brother story between Tetsuo and Canada is a great story as well. Um, you have Kel, who is the resistance leader that Canada hooks, hooks up with to get into the laboratory to try to get Tetsuo out. Uh, their dynamic is, is very entertaining as well because Canada is very cocky, very confident. You know, he tries to hit on Kel, you know, she's not having any of it. And, um, it's funny to see her kind of put him in his place, but he still maintains his cockiness throughout the whole movie. Uh, that, that character is entertaining, you know, as the lead. And it's well done. So, very entertaining movie. You know, like I said, if you're not a fan of Japanese animation, I think this is a good one to watch just to even dip your toe in to see if you would, you know, do a one and done or kind of dip in further. Personally, for me, I don't know if I'm going to watch any other Japanese animated films. Like I said, it's not something that I really gravitate towards, but I'm happy I saw this one because, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's extremely entertaining. And I'm going to say this to... People that don't are not familiar with this. This is not a kids movie. It is an animated film. It is not a kids movie. It is rated R, and it is rated R for a good reason. There's graphic violence throughout. Um, there's themes that are not for kids. You know, there is a you know drug use in the sense of there's a pill that people take that they get addicted to. Uh, so yeah, this is not for kids. It's a it's an adult animated film, and uh, I'm just putting that out there. Anybody that's seen Akira or knows Japanese animation. This is not news to them. Uh, just throwing that out there, though, because I'm watching. I'm like, wow, this is uh, this is crazy. Uh, but like I said, it's well done. It's very entertaining. It's uh, beautifully animated um, and beautifully directed. It, the thing that's impressive, and it's always impressive to me with directors, whether it's animated or not. Uh, and I, if I'm in, I think I'm correct here. I think this is his first film that he's directed. Um, so obviously, he's a you know great writer. Wrote the manga, 
But when you come in and, and direct, even though it's his own material, which is helpful, uh, it's uh, it looks like it's directed by a seasoned director, and it's uh, impressive. Uh, I don't know if he's done anything after that. I didn't look that up. But uh, it's pretty impressive when you come out of the gate not doing this before and create an epic Japanese animated film that becomes iconic. So that's, you know, for Otomo, that's very, very impressive. So uh, I definitely took note of that and was blown away by the, the technical um, marvel that this film is. And, and considering it came out in 1988, uh, it looks phenomenal. Um, you know, you've got the hand drawn. I mean, it looks just, it's, a, it's a great looking movie. A fantastic uh, film in that regard. And again, I think that's enough of the plot to give you. I think it's a, it sets a good stage for you to watch the movie if you want. Like I said, the third act is is really, really entertaining. And uh, there's some emotional moments at the end of the film about things that happen. And uh, it's really, really well done. And the character arcs are done, you know, well, uh, especially um, Canada. Uh, and like I said, it's a, it's an entertaining film. It's um, it's a serious movie, and it's not you know like I said. There's a lot. There's lots of there's moments of brevity in the film, especially like I said in in Canada's cockiness uh, that lighten the movie a little bit to enough where you enjoy it still. Uh, but it tackles big themes, you know, government corruption, you know, hiding things that are powerful, because obviously. Akita is responsible for the destruction of Tokyo, but instead of, you know, killing him, quote unquote, they keep him alive because, and it's funny because I, I watch a film, I watch a film like Oppenheimer and I watch Akira and it's funny because when movies talk about human nature is, is the things that can destroy us, we want to keep them around though, that power, because it's the power of destruction that is either alluring or something that we always want to have access to in the event we think we need it. And I think this film does a really good job of, of just of showing that visually where Akira is responsible for the destruction of Tokyo, yet instead of destroying it completely so that something like that wouldn't happen again, they freeze Akira and then have this laboratory where they're studying these other children that have this power even though they already know what this power unleashed has done, then it's just that 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 dance that we do with, you know, keeping things that are powerful enough to destroy us and not learning from our mistakes and and not going by the old adage that history repeats itself. And uh, this movie tackles those themes very well and uh, makes the movie extremely interesting to watch. So. Um, on my star review, I'm going to give uh, Akira four stars out of five. Uh, on my scale, that's a that's a rewatchable movie. I don't know if I'll revisit it again, um, but I think if you are uh, if you're a fan of Japanese animation, you've seen the movie, so I, I'd be shocked if you haven't. If you're not a fan of Japanese animation, as I said a few minutes ago, I think it's a movie worth checking out. Uh, it's a good dip your toe in the water because, like I said, it's an ambitious epic. It feels epic. Um, so, cause you know, people say, oh, it's an epic film. Then you watch it. it, the scale that this story is told on visually and storytelling wise is epic. So it feels like an epic animated film, which is why it has, I think it's well-deserved iconic status, uh, as one of the greatest, um, not only Japanese animated films, but maybe one of the greatest animated films. I understand why it has that, that legacy because it does, it feels epic. 
um, and it and it unfolds that way, and it's and it's it's fantastic to watch. So it was very entertaining. Um, so again, I'm going to give Akira four stars uh, out of five. So as I wrap up this show, again, I'm not going to do the no- normal plugs for the show, um, other than you know the QR codes up there. You know what I always say, and you know where to find the show. So I'm not going to really get into that for this episode. Um, again, I just want to wrap up with. Uh, my brother, Jason Gory Career, I wanna I wanna say thank you. And I said it at the time and it's been a year, but again I want I wanna thank everyone that reached out to me publicly or privately, um, when my brother passed away, uh, with their condolences, with their good thoughts. Um, both my mother and my family appreciate that very much and um it helped a lot. So I wanna say that again, even though a year has been by every every person that commented when I posted about his passing and that reached out to me either there or like I said personally, um, it meant the world to me. So I, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, you get reflective on, 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 on your life when things like this happen. And, and what I would say to anybody out there is um, if you uh, have a relative or a friend or a family member that you haven't communicated with in a long time for whatever reason um daily life maybe there was an issue or a falling out and look i i don't know everybody's situation and i know it's unfortunately been very common in the last few years for people to have um falling outs with close friends and family members over a variety of different things uh i'm not immune to that either so i don't speak in a place from where nothing like that's ever happened to me uh but what i would like to say uh is if there's any hope of a reconciliation or a chance to reconnect please please do that um when it comes to my brother and myself you know we had our ups and downs in our relationship and um before he got sick um you know my hope was to have him be more present in the lives of my kids, his his nephew and his niece. And um, my goal was to try to make that happen on a more consistent basis. And uh, I was uh, unable to do that. And uh, it's heartbreaking to me. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, as he was suffering... Uh, because he he uh, did suffer for a significant period of time uh, before he passed, and it's uh, life's short, life's short, and uh, don't wait till tomorrow because we don't know when it's going to be over. And uh, for me and my brother, it was over way too soon, and it's tough because. I think for me, I, you know, I can, I can move on from his passing. I can be in a better place for that. Uh, but the hard, one of the hardest parts for me is, is the, what could have been and what the future may have held, uh, for his and I relationship, for his relationship with anybody, not even just me, his family, his friends, his ability to continue to live his life and to hopefully grow like we all do 
uh, as we hopefully age and, and learn and get more wisdom. And the saddest thing for me is it is for, for, for anybody, even people that I don't know, uh, especially when they pass way too soon, is the either what could have been or what the future held or 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 simply just the memories that are not going to be created anymore the new memories uh you know holiday spent together time spent together as a family laughing crying whatever that is just time and and the i've always tried with my kids to make sure that i try to do every day day by day because they grow up so fast and and I don't always succeed, uh, but with my brother passing, it's just a constant reminder to do that. And and like I said, if you have someone out there uh, that you haven't reached out to in a while that you're close to, please do so. Um, and uh, don't don't let it slide. Don't say I'll do it next week or I'll do it tomorrow. Uh, do it now. Um, again, my brother Jason Goy Korea passed away on September twelfth, two thousand twenty-two, at the age of forty-eight years old. Uh, he was two months shy or three months shy of his 49th birthday. This birthday in December, uh, he would have been 50 years old. And uh, like I said, I can't believe it's been a year uh, since he's passed. And um, like I said, it's been hard, ups and downs, some sad days, some happy days. But uh, I miss him very much. Uh, I know he, as I posted when he passed away, he was never... He's never the sentimental one. Definitely not. He's not the sentimental one. But uh, he knew he was loved. He knew his, his family loved him. He loved us. He told me he loved me at the end. And uh, I will always have that. And I will always cherish that. That uh, he knew he was loved. And that he loved us back. And uh, that gives me great solace. Even though, again... Um, it's heartbreaking and it's a it's a waste uh that he's not here anymore and uh i have those but i have those memories uh of of growing up with him and and uh the memories of the good times that we shared and like i said the memories of the movies that we watched the movies that we talked about the sports that we watched the sports that we talked about um teasing my mom teasing my late grandmother laughing uh all those times uh that i have that i have in my memory that will always be there is the thing that uh gets me through the the rougher parts of this the darker parts of this and uh i am extremely grateful and it makes me grateful for my life uh, for my family for my wife for my kids uh those things that keep me alive those things that keep me happy and keep my life uh fulfilled and i am extremely grateful for all of that and uh i'm extremely grateful that i had a brother um my wife always you know she tells me and my wife was an only child and and i know for her that's something that bothered her a lot uh she has a sister and christine who's her cousin but is basically her sister but i know um my wife helped me understand um, about taking a sibling for granted in the sense that I didn't see what the big deal was that she um, was an only child. But she really helped me to understand, and this was before my brother passed, you know, how meaningful to your life having a sibling is. 
uh, and uh, I was fortunate enough uh, to be one of those people that did have a sibling and and uh, through our ups and downs through our differences in personality I I'm forever grateful uh, that I uh, did have a sibling I'm forever grateful um, that we did connect on some very deep things uh, maybe didn't connect on some other things that I wish we had more but I am forever grateful uh, that my brother was here and I am forever grateful that I got to spend 48 years with him and uh, it's not long enough but uh, I am grateful because a lot of people don't get that much time with their loved ones they get a lot less and uh, I am extremely extremely grateful that I had that time and uh, I miss him every day and uh, I am proud to have been his brother and uh, I appreciate everyone that's watching and listening to this podcast I'm going to sign off again uh, Akira four stars out of five in honor of my late brother uh, Jason Goy Korea take care everybody